and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 505. Woohoo! Man, we really have switched, haven't we? <laughs> what kind of world are we living in? Mark's the one that says woohoo now? No way. Something's just very, very wrong with this show. <laughs> You're going to get big, sick of it soon enough. <laughs> yeah, I know. Our big 10-year anniversary will be coming up. <laughs> or or your or your uh 10th month anniversary will be coming up depending how we look at it. Uh what are we what are we talking about, Chad? Oh, I don't know. It's not like a lot of big news has hit recently or anything. Um, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel for stuff that we've said we were going to talk about. No, we're talking about DC Studio stuff tonight, of course. Big announcement as we record this hit yesterday and um James Gunn has some things to say. And um, yeah, uh, actually, you know what? It's interesting. I I didn't read any articles that came after it. I feel like he, in terms of what I need to know, I found out from the video and just kind of thinking about what that would be in, in the context and everything. I didn't like go seek out reporting from whatever the actual press event was from the day before the video right. hit. So I don't know if actually new information was revealed there. It doesn't seem like it because I've been paying attention to Twitter and, you know, sometimes that stuff will come out over there. But, you know, it's just been uh, it's been interesting. He, he it's, it's 10 projects of a eight. He said eight to ten, eight to ten year plan that him and Saffron have come up with so far. Yes. And this is only like the first wave of chapter one. Uh, Yes. Uh, Gods and Monsters, I think, is what he titled this. Uh, uh, I don't know if, we, if we're using the word phase for the MCU, we may as well Chapter. use it for DC. Chapter. Oh, there They're chapters. Yeah, the Gods and Monsters uh, chapter of the DC Universe or DC Studios, is, I guess we're going to call it. Uh, but obviously relevant to Lantern Cast, we're going to talk about the Green Lantern stuff first, right? Now, Booster Gold? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the long gestating Green Lantern series, which interesting in Interestingly enough, it's just called Lanterns, which, of course, opens the door, though doubtful based on the uh, mini synopsis we've gotten about the show, but still opens the door for maybe we'll see something other than green at some point because the fact that they're not calling it Green Lanterns anymore. But we have the the ironically on some level, this is kind of what the what the movie was supposed to be, because now we have Hal and John mm-hmm. talk about talk about going down that, you know, going down the wormhole or the uh, rabbit hole here. We have the fact that. We started ha- we went from having a TV show which was not going to have Hal or John because they belonged to the movie. Yeah, it was going to have Alan, Guy, Simon, Jessica, and a couple of other lanterns, including a new lantern. I think they's 
at one point they said like a new alien lantern or something like that. Yeah, multi-generational, all that stuff. And we, so we went from that to what we heard like a few months ago that it was going to be John Stewart centric. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, now it's Hal and John, which, of course, is what the ha ha ha, the Jeff Johns Green Lantern Corps movie was supposed to be about Hal and John, which is why they weren't in the show. So you yes. have a police procedural true detective style on Earth dealing uh, with John and Hal. And yeah. supposedly they uncover some deep mystery that will have greater effects and ramifications in the DCU as a whole. Yeah, going for forward. those of you who haven't yet seen the video for whatever reason, I have the quote right here in front of us. This is, this is direct from James Gunn. I sat there and like, you know, played pause, played pause, played pause to type out the transcript. He said, the next thing is a big premiere HBO television series called lanterns. This is a story of a couple of green lanterns, John Stewart and Hal Jordan. And we have a few other lanterns peppered in there, but this is a real, but this is really a terrestrial based TV show, which is almost like true detective with a couple of green lanterns who are space cops watching over precinct earth in it. They discover a terrifying mystery that ties into our larger story of the DCU. End quote. Never saw True Detective, but I'm I'm assuming it's a detective type show. <laughs> so um, you are correct, sir. <laughs> it's interesting that uh, because I mean, in terms of like actual detective work within what you would call a space cop uh, type uh, outlook of Green Lantern, I think the only time we've ever really seen a true quote unquote detective story is obviously Far Sector. Have we seen a kind of detective type story with Hal and John, at least in maybe the past few years? It seems like it's been a lot of superhero adventures or something like that. There was some of that in the Morrison run. Oh, see, I just blocked that out of my mind. Remember, that was his whole premise. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm not saying he didn't get derailed by going into bigger picture issues, but the space cop thing was that was space lawman stuff. That was that was his which again comes back to like we talked about the universal dis, uh, debate about it, whether the Green Lantern Corps is an army or a police force. And at least at this point, it's early, it's early, but it it gives the impression that at least maybe it doesn't mean they won't evolve. Yeah. Or change, but it gives the impression that the gun saffron version of the, of the Green Lantern Corps is start, at least starting the status quo begins more as a police force. Yeah. And the fact that we start with both Hal and John. As well as some other stuff we're going to get to about the other news about the the DCU or DC Studios stuff leads us to believe that we are starting in a world of heroes that already exists. We're not getting a bunch of origin stories where we're, we, the DCU is already in progress here is the feeling I get from from both this news and some of the other news that we'll get to, which I'll point out specifics of it once we get there. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's a fair assessment. I think that and that and for the most part, at least when you're when you're trying to hit the ground running with the main your your A tier heroes, I think that probably does make sense. And then it and then it opens the door to introduce other heroes. And I mean, obviously related to the to the lanterns, it's always easy to introduce others. So for that in yeah. particular, that that's that's not surprising, but the fact that we're going to have Superman and Batman and and arguably Wonder Woman, arguably, uh, maybe not necessarily in that truly in that case. But we're going to get, be getting the ground, the groundwork from most of the main the main heroes in the DCU that we used to seems to have been uh, already 
that path has already been established to a certain extent when when we jump into this DCU, which maybe, but Swamp Thing obviously is going to be seems to be an origin movie. Uh, but but we'll get to that. Yeah. So it seems to me now, um, I if I'm not wrong, do you get the feeling that of the stuff that Gunn talked about, we're going to be getting these things relatively in the order that he talked about them? Because that's the feeling I get. I if so, Lanterns is number four, which is after the uh, the Superman movie on the list, which is supposed to come out in summer of 2025. So that would put this in summer of 2025 or fall winter. Yeah, I'm much. I when it comes to the TV shows versus the movies, I'm not entirely sure if we could take it to take it to the bank that they're going to how religiously they're going to stick to the order that they they were announced. I do think I do think that's a basic basic blueprint that they're going to follow and pro and and they'll probably we know I mean certainly we know something it would indicate based on what he said that it's a strong possibility because we already know the things he's involved with he's either already written or he's halfway through writing now. So I mean the uh the commandos and, and you know the, he said he wrote all those episodes and the uh superman movie he's like half i think he's like halfway through so the reality is it's there's re- every reason to believe that that is going to be mostly true but i think you're going to have some wiggle room to, especially on depending on the tv shows and but the one thing it does mean is that we certainly should be getting some casting sooner than rather than later because you would think that if he's if he already has like that when we talk about Superman they already have a release date for 2025. The fact is we're already in 2023, so the reality is that you know they, they I guess they could not start filming that movie technically I guess until next year. But it, you would think at the very at worst case scenario you think we, they'd have we're going to get the casting this year and yeah. probably so, sooner rather than later I would suspect. Yeah. So of the things just so we're thoroughly covering this Lantern thing it's still HBO. Um, uh, it's called Lanterns only. Uh, John Stewart and Hal Jordan says few other lanterns peppered in there. Uh, depending on, like I said, it very much feels like this is a DCU already in progress. So uh, in terms of speculating what other lanterns, there's so many to choose from. We don't even know. But I think it it really depends on how far into the DCU we are, whether or not we get Green Lantern Sinestro and we see the fall of Sinestro or we actually just uh, he's already, you know, excommunicated or whatever you want to call it from the core. Um, And he's already a villain at this point. I would lean towards the latter because given that I talk about a terrifying mystery or stuff, I don't know that we would be uh, unless they make it a season two type thing with the fall of Sinestro. um, I don't know that they'd really uh, have enough time to, to, to cover the fall of Sinestro in the first uh, first season based on what they've talked about so far. So I would hope to see, I guess, lanterns like your, your atypical, I guess, uh, you know, uh, right after the human lanterns, we would see, I don't know, Kilowog or Tomare or Salak or something like that. I don't see any need to see a fall of Sinestro story. I don't see how that, I don't think that's necessary at all. And I, I don't think we'll get that. I don't think it, it, it's just, a, I mean, in all honesty, it's, it's one of those things where it, it's just kind of a waste of time, really narrative, narratively. If, if you're going to have, if you still want to stick with the, like the post crisis version of Sinestro being Hal's mentor and keeping that, if, if, if you think that's a key part of the mythology, 
you can still get a lot of that retroactively just by Hal and Sinestro, whether Hal's got to fill somebody in about Sinestro when they're having flashbacks between the two. I mean, you, you don't really need to see it, especially because we don't know what their plans are for Hal, too. So I don't I don't I don't think we need to see that. Sinestro, I don't I think it's perfectly fine having Sinestro already been a already a bad guy, regardless of how they handle the Hal Sinestro relationship. Whether it's more of the, the Silver Age where he was already bad before Hal ever came on the scene, or whether they, you know, the modern, the more accepted modern day origin of where Hal was under Sinestro's wing before Sinestro completely turned. That either way, I think it's perfectly fine that Sinestro is already rogue at this point. I think that makes m- much more sense. Yeah, I, I also, whether or not John Stewart is new or we're getting an origin story for him or it's still he's still in training with Hal or whatever. Um, I don't think there's enough here, guys, to speculate on that. There's some people online talking about that. Is it possible? Sure. But I also see just as much fun being had of two guys who are familiar with each other um, in, you know, in, in how each other works and, and what each other's strengths are. And, you know, uh, I don't I don't know that I would say that Hal and John have had the best friendship, um, obviously better than him and Guy. But like. I do see some kind of camaraderie between them sometimes. Um, and I, I think that would be fun to see on screen. So you're, I, when I consider the two, you know, Hey, rookie and training under Hal, and that being a little bit of a tumultuous thing as they kind of figure out each other's quirks and stuff like that, or they're already buddy, buddy. It's, I think it's a dead even split of likelihood either way. So it's really not worth talking about until they tell us a little bit more. So I think that it just comes down. The last thing is terrifying mystery. That's going to tie into the rest of the DCU, which some lantern fans are already like, oh, that means blackest night is coming. <laughs> no guys. Um, I want it just as bad as you, but no, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. It may have some ties to that because as we know, a lot of shit was revealed in blackest night and the lead up to blackest night. Uh, it may be in some way tied to that, but I don't think it means we're going to get, the 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 dream scenario some of you guys are thinking out about there that we're going to get uh blackest night type trilogy um uh, with green lantern type content um would it be cool yes uh especially if done right but like uh, i th- i think it's bold of you to assume <laughs> that that's where they're headed <laughs> already <laughs> Yeah, it could be, it could be so many different things. It really yeah. could be. It could, I mean, it could be a version of crisis. It could be, there's so many different things that they could do because, especially because of the fact that they are going to be, most of this is supposed to take place on earth. Yeah. So, I mean, unless, yeah, I mean, like it would have to be really, really, really just like the first couple of breadcrumbs that could lead you down the road to something. Like Blackest Night, because even even the Sinestro Core War doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the mystery that they find to be related to that, since again it's on Earth. Yeah. But who knows? But definitely, it's definitely cool that I guess they're already hype, they're already building up or hyping the idea that what whatever they discover, and maybe once we find out what they discover, maybe we'll have a better idea of what it could mean, or maybe again it's so far. It is so much the one, the first or second breadcrumb that there's almost no way to know definitively where they're going to go. But yeah, um, I think it would be interesting if it had something to do with the Guardians or and or something the Guardians already knew about, but 
you know, like one of the guardian type secret things, you know, and they tell Hal and John, don't tell anybody else on earth or whatever. Don't cause a panic or something. It's something the lanterns are aware of before the rest of the larger DCU is. And that could cause some conflict or whatever um, with these little blue space jackasses. But beyond that, I think we just get into the rest of it. So the first, the first one up that he mentioned in his uh, five minute video or whatever, eight minute video was uh creature commandos the animated series yeah i don't know i mean well we assume it's gonna be a guardians like feel to that because first of all guns writing it wrote it already uh hey it's got weasel in it right weasel from uh suicide squad we guess we know what happens to him next after he after he survived (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) yeah that that again for the most part none of those characters resonate or i have any real ties to any of the characters that the ones I can recognize even in there that so in a way that makes it fresh. There's a lot of that for me. And and like, there's at least half of that in the slate that he announced. So it's going to be animated. So it's probably going to be an easier in for characters that people don't know. So I'm certainly going to, I'm certainly going to be willing, willing to give it a shot. I, I can't say that it, it, it excited me about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I talked about this a bit over on Twitter cause I do that, you know, real time, real time type reactions to whatever on Twitter, but the stuff that I'm not as intimately familiar with like creature commandos and some of the other stuff that's coming a little bit later in this list, uh, does it get me excited for the specific project? No, it gets me more excited about the potential of seeing what I've been wanting sir, for so long, which is the rest of the DC universe. Now are things like creature commandos and the authority and stuff like that, things that I personally am interested in. No, but they're enough of a side tangent to the rest of the DC universe that it makes things that I am excited for, like dead man or firestorm or phantom stranger or whatever, almost just as likely as seeing as these projects are um so that makes me excited for the potential um creature commandos being an animated thing i think that's i think that's a kind of i think that's a good kind of choice it's a little weirder uh even so even more so than what he had already cooked up in the suicide squad movie the second one taking the animated approach there and and uh allowing that to be the sponge, I guess, for anything uh, that you would normally uh, mark down as weird in live action and go, oh, it's just animated. It, it can be this goofy or, or whatever. Um, and it's allowed to be because of the medium. I think that's a cool I think that's a cool start. And given uh, and I, I haven't seen enough uh, any of the actual episodes fully because I canceled HBO Max. But I've seen clips of the Harley Quinn show, and I know a lot of people are really enjoying that. So I think, you know, if we kind of follow Gunn's logic a little bit and his storytelling that he's done thus far with the DCU, plus tie in a little bit of what we've seen from animated DC stuff, which is Harley. And then, of course, that uh, I didn't see it, but that Aquaman animated series that came out, which is really weird. Yeah, I didn't watch that either. Yeah, there's just been a really weird sort of tent uh, in turn taken with the DC animated stuff that's recently come out that I think that I think that Creature Commandos is being an animated series is a good call. This is where he also mentions the fact that because everything's going to be ideally 
everything's going to be seamless in the new DCU. So it's going to be where the, you're going to have a the stories and the characters and ideally the actors that portray them are going to kind of like cross over between animated and live action and potentially if they do games, games too. So yeah. there's a, certainly an effort to build build continuity, which clearly has not been a big thing in the DCU period. And again, if something doesn't belong there, like uh, like the Joker and Matt Reeves, Batman and things like that, those will just be slapped with the Elseworlds label to make it crystal clear that this doesn't belong in regular continuity. So, Which is great. And I think I, I, I can't remember where I said it because I've done a couple of different podcasts lately and stuff like that. But somewhere recently, I think on our show, I, I myself said we need to start slapping Elseworlds on stuff. Um, I think I was more referring to the comics, um, like stuff like um, DC Mech, uh, you know, uh, the what was the what was the freaking Justice League book we read again? I keep forgetting its name. The one you hate me for making you read. Last Ride. Yes. Yeah. Last Ride. Uh, things like that. I, you know, it, I think a label I like Elseworlds being slapped on stuff that's clearly not supposed to be tied into the larger narrative of what's happening um, should be a no brainer. I'm glad that they're taking it a step further and doing it with the, the other content that DC produces. And then next up wall, the wall, what he called the Waller project, uh, which will feature Viola Davis still as Amanda Waller and her, her crew and stuff will be teaming up with members of the peacekeeper or sorry, peacemaker show uh, crew. So um, yeah, still leaning into Gunn and what Gunn has been building, uh, building on his end so far. So, um, I personally, like, as much as I enjoy, like, the, like, a, you know, I mentioned I'm a DC fan, so I'm going to enjoy the DC stuff I get to see when I watch these movies, even if I'm not particularly connected to who are supposed to be my POV characters. I don't really care much for the Suicide Squad, and that's both just conceptually as, and that ties both into the comics and, the live action and other stuff. I'm familiar enough with them. I I know what the concept is. You can have some fun with that and, and you can have great little glimpses into the larger DCU. Um, that's what I'm there for, for what the suicide squad is for who Amanda Waller is for the stuff that's central to those characters and the types of stories told with them. I don't really care. Um, I'm not ambivalent towards it in terms of like, I, I don't want to see it and I will actively not see it, but I'm also not super hyped for it. It just, it's a project that exists and I'll probably see it like I'll see everything else, but I have real no passion or connection for it. It's not surprising we got this. It is probably the e- also the easiest way for him to continue the connected tissue that he has started that from suicide squad to peacemaker to even black at, you know, just the elements of black Adam that carry over to, to Amanda Waller too, which is co- kind of interesting with the fact that we, that black Adam clearly won't be around anytime soon if ever again, but he, but the connection to Amanda Waller and, uh, and Harcourt still does. it's so those characters themselves are still co- in continuity. Yeah. It doesn't pump me. Uh, could it be, could it be interesting? Yes. Viola Davis is cool. In, you know, on on her own, I don't know. I it's a, that's another thing that I will watch because we'll have to see what what the show is really really about. Because you know, on the surface, Peacemaker didn't look like anybody would give a shit about that, and that turned out to be really good. So let's see what the Waller show is actually about. And even though she may remain inherently unlikable, 
that depending on who else is in the show and what the actual what story that we're, we're following that we that we're supposed to get involved in, maybe it'll be fine. But no, that's that's definitely not a project that that pumps me up. Alrighty, and then moving into Superman Legacy, um, there's not going to be much to say here. I will say that Gunn himself referred to this as the true beginning of the DCU. Now, just to kind of clarify what he said there, because I don't think we mentioned it yet. Um, he did talk very briefly when he started all this about things like Blue Beetle, uh, as well as the Flash movie, the Aquaman movie, and the Shazam 2 movie. He said the Shazam 2 movie will sort of lead into the Flash. I don't know how, or I, I guess we'll see. Um, the Flash, um, two things about the Flash really quick, because I saw one of these things today. Um, the Flash will reset the DC universe. I think Gunn said that himself. So I think the idea of it being a universe resetter Flashpoint type thing is pretty much locked in right now. Uh, the other thing is apparently the Flash is testing really well. Um, so that's it. Which also, uh, is then, not, which also is not news anyway, based on what we've heard. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we have the Aquaman movie and the Blue Beetle movie, he said, which will sort of lead into the new DCU stuff. But he called the Superman movie that is currently got a release date of July 11th, 2025. Uh, it is titled Superman Legacy, the true beginning of the DCU. That's all we really know about it. Um, at this point, uh, we also know that this is not an origin story. This is going to take place in a world where Superman is already an active hero type of thing. Um, and it's going to, uh, sort of be a bridge type story, uh, or, uh, a story that, uh, uh, Superman kind of dealing with both halves of himself, his human side and his Kryptonian side, um, which further sets up what we were talking about earlier with the idea that this is a DCU already in progress. Yes. And this also explains why, you know, to the chagrin of many people, not just the Snyder sycophants, but even people that are just legitimately fans of Henry Cavill. Why it also explains why Henry Cavill doesn't really fit into the scope of this project, even besides the age factor, which is clearly something that there looks like they will be going logically younger. When you have an eight to 10 year plan, then you're going to be casting actors that are considerably younger than they are now. You don't want ideally you don't do not want to be casting people in there who are already in their mid to late 30s to be playing roles. Especially depending now, you can get away with it depending if you're if you're like casting someone like Robert Downey Jr. who actually they lucked out who aged really really well considering his lifestyle and all the problems that he had. It's even more miraculous that he aged well. But if you're gonna most if you're gonna be spending a lot of your time in a, in a costume where your face is covered up, you can get away with that. But if you're at, you know someone like Superman, yeah, you 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 need someone who's gonna who's gonna look. Almost the eternal, you know, eternally like thirty, like thirty-two, thirty-three, like Superman's supposed to be at his peak, which he may not even be, clearly be yet here. So yeah, I, I, I think it makes sense. And again, we, with some of these, some of this recasting stuff, we don't, no matter, we don't necessarily know we're never going to see any of these people again. Yeah, it's because it, it's, it's a, it's a multiverse thing. I mean, let's be honest. If you look at the James Gunn statement about Henry Cavill. Right after they had the meeting and everything like that, it was only it was out only after Henry Cavill that came out that it be, that you got the impression, oh, he's done playing Superman ever. Uh, James Gunn's statement didn't really make it sound like it was definitive. It just made it sound like, well, he's definitely not going to be involved in what we're doing first. Yeah. But so you never know. You, 
And I, I definitely want to read some of that stuff from the actual conference, which, by the way, guys, I do currently have an IGN article up right now. I do want to read a couple of quotes from that uh, I was kind of skimming while we were talking about this. Uh, Safran, at one point during the conference that they had, says, we're very confident that by the time Superman Legacy comes out, people will understand what the DCU is. So that's something to take away. Safran also said about Superman, it focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. Superman represents truth, justice, and the American way. He is kind in a world that thinks of kindness as old-fashioned. Uh, Gunn referred to Superman. He's a big old galoot. He is a farm boy from Kansas who is very idealistic. His greatest weakness is that he'll never kill anybody and doesn't want to hurt a living soul. And I like that sort of innate goodness about Superman as his defining characteristic. So if anybody wants to get an idea of where they're going, um, uh, with with the Superman movie, I think those quotes kind of help you as well as this one I just saw. It's not about where you were born or what powers you have or what you wear on your chest. It's about what you do. It's about action. So that should be a fun thing. I, I you know I I I do miss a uh, Christopher Reeves Gostia Willikers you know uh, type of Superman. I think it'd be fun to see a the what has been always been the hope of the dcu be hopeful and kind you know i think there's there's something unique about superman that i think we haven't seen in a long time the you know that when he shows up everything's okay and he he is the standard by which all other heroes are judged there's there's a a sense of awe and and i'm meeting a living legend when superman shows up on scene but you're he's also the kindest person there ever was. Yeah, uh, that that was one of the major missteps of Snyder right off the bat, and and the direction they took Superman. It's not because Henry Cavill didn't look it. It's not like Henry Cavill didn't have elements of Superman's personality, but yeah. there were too many ish, too many things in that first movie that did not make him to be the Superman that we know. And then all of a sudden, he was supposed to be this bastion of hope later on. That if according to Batman and all this stuff, so. It just it was incoherent. But then again, much of the Snyderverse was incoherent. Uh, and by the way, guys, if you want the type of Superman I'm talking about, Mark, have you been watching Superman and Lois at all? No. Tyler's doing a great job. That's what I hear. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. Um, but moving on to the next thing and in, in the line, we have the Authority movie. Now, I'm not super familiar with the Authority. Uh, to be honest, all of Wildstorm is kind of a a weird, you know, kind of mess to me. Um, uh, it's uh, it's not something that I was ever really interested in. I know the authority are one of those groups of characters that kind of has like a a grassroots group of people who are really passionate about them. So uh, good on them. It's from their description. It sounds like, hey, Snyder Bros, if you want the dark, gritty people who make questionable decisions kind of stuff, it sounds like the authority is your movie. <laughs> um but uh, according to what I'm reading online about it, uh, Gunn said it uh, isn't just a story of heroes and villains and not every movie and TV show is going to be about good guy versus bad guy. There are there are people that are very questionable, like the authority, who basically believe, be, basically believe that you can't fix the world in an easy manner and they take things into their own hands. 
Safran describes that this version of the authority is kind of like Jack Nicholson in the movie A Few Good Men. They know that you want them on the wall, or at least they believe that. I'll be honest, I've never seen A Few Good Men. Or if I have, it's been forever, and I don't remember a thing about it. But conceptually, based on the way it's being described, it's it, it could be entertaining. Again, I, I have abs- I have absolutely no ties to the character. So this this is an this is another of even more of a blank slate than the creature commandos. So we'll we'll see. And it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting choice that this is you know, this is gonna be a movie. So that's so that and we know it's a passion project for James Gunn. Yeah. So th- so that's so that's going to be interesting to see how that all come how that all comes together. But there's again for me there's not there's really not much to really say on that. It's all it's all speculation. We'll have to we'll just have to see how it comes together, which is at least you give credit where credit's due easy. No matter what when you look at the slate that he's not they're not just playing it safe, that's for sure. Yeah. 100%. All right. Uh number Brave 6 Raven the Bold. Oh, number seven, no, number six is Paradise Lost. Did I skip that already? Yeah. I'm looking at the video. Oh yeah, you're right. I just I'm, I have his video up, so but I, I must I must have dragged I must have dragged the uh, mouse over to. All right, I'll do Brave and the Bold. You do your Paradise Lost. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, Paradise Lost. Uh, it's not necessarily about Wonder Woman, although they didn't completely exclude the idea that she could be in it. Um, it is focusing basically on the culture and everything that's happening on Themyscira. Personally, I think maybe it would be sort of a flashback. I'm not sure unless it's going to be some sort of living encapsulation of him or drama or something. I don't know. Um, the happening currently on Themyscira, I, I would think it's a flashback. I, I don't know. Uh, we have no way of knowing either way, to be honest. But for me, on initial announcement, it didn't necessarily hold much interest to me. But when I think about it, it, it just the world of Wonder Woman, the world of Themyscira gives us the opportunity to explore the mythology of the DCU, um, as well as potentially the magical side of the DCU um, in a much more kind of this is this isn't a new thing, you know, gods and magic and stuff like that. It, it is rooted in the history of this universe. And I think there's lots of potential for that with a show focused on the Amazons and their world or their island, rather. So I guess we'll see either way. Uh, I'd be very curious what the what the goal is with this show in terms of educating us on the future of this cinematic universe. Yes, this is this is another project that while I'm certainly not lost to the concepts and some of the characters here again it doesn't have that great an interest to me maybe a little even though again it's going to be kind of like starting over because we did get some interesting things in the gal gadot wonder woman movies yeah referring to paradise island so on that level seeing that culture seeing that society would not necessarily be the be uninteresting it doesn't sound on the surface like it would be the most thrilling tv show so I guess it's going to I guess we have to see what the what exactly we're focusing in on related to to the I know he made it. He tried to make it sound interesting by basically making it sound almost like Game of Thrones. 
but I don't know what that really means in the context of Paradise Island. <laughs> but for sure. Um, for those of you who have been, uh, you know, maybe you're, I wouldn't say like a Wonder Woman's, you know, fan in that you buy every new series that comes out, but Wonder Woman holds interest to you. There is a series, um, and I'm looking over at my shelf and I don't think I actually put it over here. Oh, nope. There it is. There is a series that is happening in the DC black label, uh, stuff. Uh, this is the kind of magazine size format, uh, um, uh, comics that are coming out right now. It's called Wonder Woman Historia and it's uh, by Sel- uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez on the art. Um, and for art alone, I recommend you get this book. Um, but it's it, you've probably seen screenshots of this people just gushing over Phil Jimenez's art on this because it's again it's a larger format book, um, so the art gear really gets space to be all the detail really shown. But um, I think if you read Wonder Woman Historia, that might be where they're going with Themyscira. If I'm if I'm thinking about it, because the popularity of this series in terms of recent Wonder Woman publications, titles that DC has published that have sold really well, Wonder Woman Historia is it. So if there's lots of stuff in there about building the world of Themyscira and telling certain Amazon stories. So um, I think if they base this on anything this is the title they might be pulling heavily from. Uh, again, I have no real basis for this other than just trends and popularity and what I know has been selling comic book wise. But I think the potential is really there for this to be not wholly the source material, but a portion of it. So, yes, well, we can, that would probably be a plus, but again, we know that's, uh, at the very least, on the surface, before that, till that gets confirmed, at least for me, that's more of a kind of one of those wild card yeah, projects, sure. I would say. Speaking of wild cards. Oh, God. Yeah. So we have which which was funny because when I first saw this, I actually thought it was a, I thought it was a TV show. But clearly it's it's a movie that the next movie on the DCU slate will be The Brave and the Bold, which will actually be a version of which will be a Batman and Damian Wayne as Robin movie. So if you love Damian Wayne, this is the movie for you. And if you hate him, I don't know, man, <laughs> especially since he's the first Robin being introduced into the DCU, which will be an inch, which, which, which will be quite interesting just via what we're via the absence of everybody else, how, the, how that works into the, the mythology here. No, I I like it. It, it, Again, this is another one that points to the idea of a universe already in progress. If Damien's is Robin, Uh, could they obviously make some sort of thing and say he's one of the first or second Robins? Sure, they could. But I really doubt it. I think Dick is out there as Nightwing at this point. Wherever we are in the timeline of the DC universe, Dick is already Nightwing. And that's probably what they'll do. Even though it's going to be interesting with Tim, since Tim's other identities have never really stuck. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it it's it's mostly it's mostly interesting from the perspective that a lot of people hate Damien so much. Obviously, James Gunn loves him. Yeah. So, which is probably why we're he getting called him it. his favorite Robin. Yes, and it's being based on the Grand Mo- on the Grant Morrison title. So, yeah, it. 
I'm not against it. I don't have enough. I don't have enough of an ex- relationship with Damien to to really, really completely despise him. I don't. I know there's nothing, no reason to like him based on what I've seen. But you, they do, they do hint at enough underneath all the rough, raw edges that there's some, like there's some of the positive aspects of Bruce in in there. Yeah. So if they if they explore it the right way, if they make him, you know, obviously they have to make him a tad more age appropriate for this to really work, as opposed mm-hmm. to having him be like this thir- twelve year old, thirteen year old kid or whatever. But assuming that he's somewhere in like the sixteen, seventeen year old range, maybe at least that. I'm intrigued. Again, the casting is going to be really the casting of Batman is going to be important, but obviously the casting of Damien is going to be really important, too. For sure. And I, I see what you're saying about him being like 16 or 17, but I don't think he will be. I think he I don't think he'll be 12 or 13, but I think maybe like 13, 14, 15, something like that, because, you know what I'm thinking with less of a comedic take, I'm thinking like hit girl, hit girl. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there was a lot of pushback that not just because she was a chick doing it, but I think I don't know. I, I'm i not sure how that would fly in live action if you're really having a 12, 13 year old kid doing stuff like that. Now, it might work because it is, you know, it's especially let's say they make the movie R, which they probably won't because they were no. going to want to get as many people in as possible because it's Batman. But I don't know. Which is another thing. Gunn made it clear that they're going to that basically they're, it's it's going to be the material and, and the and the stories that were, are going to dictate. They're, they are planning on doing things that run the gamut from the ratings perspective, so which is not, a, which is a smart move to set up. Yes, so, absolutely. Locking yourself into, you know, you know, PG-13 or whatever and saying, you know, that we're going to do this for as wide of an audience as possible. So as many people can enjoy this with their families for as whatever years to whatever whatever company bullshit line you would throw out there kind of like that. I not locking yourself into a rating is smart because it opens up every other genre you could do. And of course, the last thing on the project, which we'll talk about a little later, Swamp Thing. Like why, why on earth would you play with that side of the DC universe and lock yourself into PG 13 or less? Um, This, the ratings, the, the ratings goal or whatever you want to call it that he kind of put forth there is a smart move. Yeah, I would agree. I think they they should not be locked in or so rigidly locked in that they can't tell certain stories need to be what they are and and rating wise. And you shouldn't have to sanitize things enough where you're also weakening the impact of what the what's what the material, whether it's source material or where you even 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 if it's an original, mostly original take that if the subject matter is serious enough and you want it to have impact you shouldn't have to sanitize it yeah um i know you had mentioned this in our kind of dm thread when this was all kind of happening the other day but uh i do agree with you that calling it the brave and the bold is weird it makes you expect something different than what the project actually is i will say that upon thinking about it not necessarily the moniker of brave and the bold but the idea that this series of uh, or using the title Brave and the Bold is supposed to be for them to help flesh out the Bat family. Because he did mention he didn't give right. specific characters, but he did mention the rest of the Bat family making an appearance, uh, not necessarily in this film, but kind of in this series of type, you know, ideas. I like that. I like there not being necessarily a Batman movie, but a, a Bat family movie. Mm-hmm. To me, that 
signifies a, a desire to build the universe and a desire to showcase something we haven't seen in a long time, which is like the softer side of Bruce. The idea that the yeah, yeah, he recruited these Robins and stuff, but these are his sons, you know, and, you know, the way he treats the people in the Bat family, the trust that he has for them, the fact that he can trust them, um, you know, uh, I, I, I really like the, the, the tone that signifies, will it happen? That remains to be seen, but I like the tone that signifies. Yes, and what he talked about, Gunn, was that this is basically the start of the Bat family in the DCU. So this is going to, which does not, again, necessarily mean that these are the only two characters that are part of the Bat family technically at all. When we see them, it's just it's just our intro to them, and they would open the door potentially for us to see the rest. Still, uh, still when you think about it, it, on some level, it is still, a, it certainly is a not, I would say it's more of an off-the-beaten path or off the beaten track way of going about it considering again you so many other characters in the bat family you, you would assume that you would probably see before damien so it is kind of it is interesting it is it's certainly not being complacent but it also we'll have to see if there's any uh we'll have to see how it all comes together i suppose to see how effective that that decision was all right, number eight on the list is Booster Gold, who Gunn described, which is act accurate, a loser from the future. So, you know, comedy is a strong suit. Um, the stories that you can tell with Booster. Um, I I enjoy Booster. There's uh, lots of good stories that I can think of off the top of my head that do have Booster in them. Um you know, one of the one of the examples, of course, is that classic Je- Justice League Unlimited episode where he keeps getting called Green Lantern. <laughs> um, but uh, there's potential there, and again, this this helps me be positive about seeing characters I love, like Dead Man and Zatanna, and you know, the Blackhawks or Phantom Stranger or whatever. Um, the fact that they're willing to devote an entire series to uh, the man who was a failed athlete who bet on his own games and was kicked out and was a janitor at the Legion of Superheroes museum or whatever and swiped a, a flight ring and skeets and a time sphere and went back in time and tried to make a superhero out of himself. Uh, that's That's the... I was I was talking about this before, actually, with uh, Aaron Head Moss, and it's just like uh, one, on one of the appearances I did on his Head Speak show, and with with um, Snyder and his stuff, I think we never would have gotten like a Mister Mitzi's Pidlick story. We never would have got, um, you know. These these zany sides of the DC universe, we wouldn't have leaned into the like we saw like in that Shazam movie, we saw like a cameo of Mr. Mind. But that was just really a call out. Would you did in the Snyderverse, would you base a movie around a villain of a telepathic caterpillar? (laughs) Like that, that's nothing we would have ever got from Snyderverse. And let's face it, the DC universe is wacky. Anything can happen, and you know what's crazy about it is sometimes, no matter how fucking ridiculous the thing was, it was still threatening. 
It was still potentially world ending. It was still serious enough to be a threat, despite how freaking wacky it is. Uh, and I love that about the DC universe. It's one of the things I've always loved about it. And the fact that you can go with Booster Gold, an entire TV series dedicated to Booster Gold as one of your first 10 outings for this universe to help set the tone. Again, I like the tone this signifies for where we're heading with the rest of the universe. This this project is, if there's ever a landing spot that's perfect for Chris Pratt, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, if there was one role that you're going to say, hey, I, it's almost tailor-made to bring one of his guardians over and, and fitting, the, fitting the mold. The mold for gold. That I would say, yeah, I would seriously be surprised if. Or if Bradley I, Cooper. Uh, it de- I guess it depends on the vibe. Bradley you Cooper want. could play washed up old athlete who is has a, a scam under his belt for sure. Yeah, but again, I think I think it comes down to how likable ultimately deep down you want this character to be. Yeah, it, you do want Booster to be likable. Yeah, and Chris Pratt is much more likable persona wise than than bradley cooper brad i don't know bradley cooper in a way he's gotten a lot of i think he's gotten a lot of cushion and a lot of a safety net because because he plays rocket nobody can figure out how the hell that works because it doesn't even sound like bradley cooper but i just don't i just don't see bradley cooper as particularly likable just generally speaking so even when he was up for hal it's like it was always like uh Ryan Reynolds was by default because I didn't like Bradley Cooper and and Justin Timberlake did not look a damn thing like Al Jordan. <laughs> so I don't know. I I would hope this is yeah. I would hope this is the Chris Pratt landing spot if he is in really going to bring some of his guardians and his Marvel people over to DC. It seems like this would be it. That would pretty much be a no brainer on the surface. Yeah. Um. Should be fun though. I I. I... That that's one of the projects on the list that I, I am excited for. Next up on the list uh, is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Um, now, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is one of the titles that came out of kind of the Infinite Frontier era. Um, this was written by uh, Tom King with art by uh, uh, Bliss Evely. Evely, I'm for, forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, Super Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow was an eight issue series, but what's interesting about that is it was extremely popular, uh, not just for art, but just, you know, it's Tom King. So Tom King's also one of those writers these days that either you love everything he does or you, or you hate him. Yeah. Um, but the people who loved it, loved it. I've seen some people who are um historically supergirl fans always like the supergirl line that didn't like this um so it obviously tells a very specific type of story that's um kind of uh, based on what i've seen because i haven't read it myself yet although i will um based on what i've seen is a is a kind of generational dividing type story. If if you are a are and have been a fan of Supergirl for a long time and been reading a lot of her stories, uh, and are as very as familiar with you or uh, as familiar with her as you are as we we are with Green Lantern, then you probably don't like Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow. But the people who are have a casual passing relationship with Supergirl or had never read a Supergirl comic in their life 
a lot of people really loved this sort of story. So I'm curious. Um, it is something uh, of, um, you know, my local comic shop, which moved to Florida. So I don't know that you can call it local anymore, but they, they still send me my books. Um, they're always really pushing indie heavy type stuff. Uh, they rarely read the big two. But they loved Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. It's rare they give time to talk and, you know, tell their customers that that's what they're reading and that's what they want. And it's not an indie title. Um, they recommended the hell out of Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. And I tend to trust their um, judgment. So I will be buying the, uh, the the trade paperback of Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow uh, sight unseen and uh, see what it's all about. I have no ties, again, to that series. I have tentative, loose ties to the character. I don't know conceptually. Again, I don't know if I really like more the, you know, the darker, bitter kind of version of Supergirl. But as long as, I guess, we're getting the, as long as we're getting the upbeat, hopeful, classic Superman, I guess you can probably live with that. I guess the contrast won't be as... It won't be as dramatic or distinct. Yeah. So, or just or, able correction. The, the the difference will be glaring because that's the point. But I mean, it won't be. It won't. It w- might not be as distracting to the viewer and, and as disturbing to say, "Well, I can't deal with this because this is so kind of kind of like the crappy version of Pot Kent we got with Kevin Costner." That you don't yeah. you won't necessarily have that moment when it's like well you it's like well okay they lost me and I don't know if I can come back because that's so unlike the character that I'm used to it might be more bearable conceptually because we're, we're already going to have a Superman that we know and that we like even though again this is not necessarily we don't well, there's no evidence that Superman is in this I guess we can assume he might be in it I, I don't think it was officially confirmed but I didn't read the story so I don't know if Superman is involved in that story but based on if it was just a supergirl solo movie by itself then then you wouldn't i guess having having the you know kind of like the bitter angry super super person in quotes that i guess that it really depends on what the story is i think how that how that might play so that's an that's another wild card for me i too like a kara who's more hopeful who more emulates cal um, looks up to him and tries to be that as much as she can. But I think they've over, overdone the angry girl thing a little bit. But I also understand it because she remembers what she lost on Krypton. And she's a teenager. And she's her perspective is so different than Kal-El's that it's... Uh, I, I, too, would probably, if you're know, putting myself in that situation at that age... I too would probably have a lot of rage in me. So like I, you know, I do I like seeing it again really depends on the story like like you mentioned. But I also can't fully dismiss that type of storytelling telling because I get it. And if I get it, then that means it's a believable route to take a character and wouldn't you want a story where you can relate to a character? So uh, we'll, we'll really see. I, again, I'm going to buy the, the trade paperback and see what it's all about. But, um, you know, th- you are right. You know, in, in 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 my L family, I do like to see the hopeful stuff. And that includes Kara. So. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is a big swing for the audiences as a whole, the mainstream fans. Uh, 
the long, like you mentioned, the long-term fans, long-time fans of these characters that it's not, yeah, it's obviously a take that's not going to resonate with them. So it'll be, again, if it's a good story, it, it, maybe it can overcome a lot of things or maybe you can win over enough new people that yeah. even though you're not and yes it's i mean it's, it's a little easier to do that with a character like supergirl because again supergirl is not inherently the most popular character in the dc you are one of them anyway you know not in the top three or four so or five probably in being fair i'm being kind i'm not going to keep going down the list but the point is you have it's easy to take a take a shot with something like that so yeah yeah for sure and she's a female pov character also something that can uh, depending again on the movie, they're not again they're not locking into any specific sort of ratings, but she could be a good entry character for little girls or women to be in, in, interested in, um, which sort of certainly widens the potential audience for this universe. So that's cool. And Supergirl is one of the recognizable ones in terms of you know characters that kids can readily identify. You know, Wonder Woman, and then right after her, Supergirl. Yep, makes sense. And last up, Swamp Thing. Probably the, one of the few full, full on origin stories, even though you assume Booster Gold will probably be an origin story. Even, even again, even if a lot of it's being told through flashback, you would have to assume. We're going to see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with Swamp Thing, again, based on what James Gunn said, it indicated that not just that it will be horror, which is not surprising, even though Swamp Thing's kind of, the Swamp Thing book hasn't always been horror. It's it's kind of it's it's really it's walked horror away. or it's super match supernatural. Yeah, and even sometimes, I mean, to be fair, that probably wasn't there was a time at least there was a certain time frame when they almost I can't say they did a full bore regular superhero book, but it was it was it was probably a little bit less than either of the other two, and almost like walking that line to try to make it more mainstream. I don't think that's the, was the most popular version ever. Of Swamp Thing, but I'm not saying, but I still think they they kind of they were walking that line. But yes, we're so it's going to be a horror book. He didn't mention Alec Holland necessarily. We hope, I certainly hope that it's Alec Holland. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of hard to do a Swamp Thing story if you're, especially if you're starting from the beginning without having Alec. Right, Holland. Especially if you're starting with with a if it's a horror tent. Alec Alec's origin is absolutely horror. <laughs> yeah, he. He and the old Ted Salas, you know, equilibrium there. So I think, yeah, I'm. This project obviously gives me gives me hope. I know a lot, and not that I ever got to see it, but I know a lot of people were high in the Swamp Thing series as long. Not that it lasted long, but not it wasn't because it sucked, it because it was an expensive show, and that's why yeah. pretty much the plug got pulled on it. I uh, loved that show, which is interesting because I don't think I finished it. Because I no I, I when I say I loved it I really did enjoy that show, but I think I went on vacation or something in the middle of watching. I was like I'll I'll pick it up when I got back and then started an episode of something or other and that started me of course on binging that and I never circled back to finish Swamp Thing. So sometime in the next week or two I'm absolutely watching Swamp Thing start to finish because I really liked what I saw and that's one of those shows. Um, because I have Voodoo, so anytime you buy anything, obviously the digital code that you redeem, you can have in your Voodoo library. I share a Voodoo account with my brother-in-law and my sister. They rarely like the DC comic book or Marvel comic book type stuff. They'll they'll seek out stuff and actively watch it continuously on their own. Very rarely. 
they watch Swamp Thing. Yeah, and I do think I think generally speaking, I think that show gained a lot of goodwill, and I also think that 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 which is which helps because even though there is a cult following for the original movie, not so much the second one, <laughs> but the but the original one that. Luckily, Swamp Thing has a kid. So overall, if you look at the body of work, Swamp Thing, though limited though it is, it doesn't exact. And 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 they plus they did the they did the 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 first Swamp Thing series, which was okay. That that might be something different too. But the point is, Swamp Thing has one? no. I think they did. I'm pretty sure they did a live action version. Um, but I think the same guy. Do you do you remember the animated one? No, I never watched. Do you remember? Do, do, do you do you remember? Do you remember the theme song? No, I don't actually even remember. I think that there wasn't a Swamp Thing animated series. I I don't uh, I, I know I've seen a clip of it. It might have just been an episode of something or a short that they did like, but it's back in the old school animation style, kind of like uh, Super Friends, kind of done like Super Friends animation style. And I think that maybe maybe someone just did a bit or something and it leaked online and kind of sank into the the zeitgeist or something. But the music somebody put over it was swamp thing <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> yeah they had they had they had the uh dick Durock who played him in those two movies they had a, they actually had a three-year a three-season show in the early 90s okay which I, yeah I, I almost forgot about it but then as we're talking about the the history of swamp thing beyond the, the page and it's like i that made me think it's like didn't they do it yeah so they had that and uh that was kind of and it's also interesting that, uh, you know, James Mangold is one of the people that I guess is in talks to do Swamp Thing to do this movie, uh, which which is interesting. Not surprisingly, I don't think. But I think a lot of people would like to. I think this material is this character is interesting enough that I think people would gravitate towards or be drawn to doing this project. Plus, you know, we haven't we haven't had really the horror, you know, a real horror entry into that into the superhero genre we should have we could we could have with multiverse of madness if if marvel hadn't kind of like changed it and obviously we'll be dead waiting for uh for blade and we'll have to see how horror-y, horror-y blade actually turns out to be by the time it, it, it gets done yeah so this is yeah the, and it's a and it and it's a character that people do know it's not you're not like completely pulling something out of left field swamp thing is a relatively well-known character again it's not super super popular the upper echelon character but it's probably more care it's certainly probably better well known and more popular than man thing let's put it that way <laughs> true um and they're getting out in front of man thing in a way uh because like yes we had the the special that we talked about but when do we think we're going to see man thing again uh, do we think we'll see him by the time the swamp thing project starts up in a significant way i don't know but him Swamp Thing being a part of this this uh, first kind of uh, chapter, as the as they call it, is uh, is definitely a, a play to kind of put their stake on the Swamp Creature uh, project uh, of choice in a way. So yeah, and it certainly fits into the gods and monsters yep. concept, uh, which is interesting though, on some level, when you look at some of these projects. No. Like Batman. Batman on the surface wouldn't he's he certainly doesn't fall into the God label as much and on any true true definition of that term. 
So that that is something. But I mean, Booster Gold may be a god in his own mind or trying to make himself a god by going back and having, you know, I guess you could look at it from that perspective. But at least Superman, Supergirl. You could you could you could see that um, uh, what, the, the Paradise Island, you could you could see that. Even maybe some of them, obviously, the, the monsters fit in with the creature commandos. Waller doesn't really fit in that either. But then again, there there's obviously a common there's a common thread or they're building towards a common thread that we have to figure out what what that actually is. So yeah, it'll be it'll be like trying to figure out what phase four was and for Marvel, even though we know it was nothing <laughs> really. So but, but on that level, I will give James Gunn full credit. I would be stunned even if we don't see it when chapter one ends. Hopefully, by the time we get chapter one ends, we will be able to see what the connection is. At the very least, I think. I, I feel confident that when it's all said and done and we go back and you go, oh, this is this is what this is what the commonality for chapter one was. And this is what everything was supposed to why these things were in chapter one. I bet you will go back and go, oh, that makes a great deal of sense. Yeah. Um, part of me, though, was hoping that Swamp Thing would be done a la Sandman. Um, I, I really enjoy Sandman. I still need to do that rewatch of it. I'm going to after I finish Swamp Thing. Um but uh, I I was hoping we would get a Swamp Thing series told in the way in the same sort of faithfulness that the Netflix series did with Sandman and that we follow the Alan Moore story um, of of Swamp Thing there. But it's not it's not possible if they're going to go into the horror tent because Alan Moore stuff certainly did have horror type stuff, um, but there was a lot. You could almost say it was almost half horror, half metaphysical, and sometimes more metaphysical than horror with with Alan Moore. I mean, because it's Alan Moore and such is Alan Moore. But um, it's it's hard to see if they're calling it a, a straight out horror project that it would exclusively be based on Alan Moore stuff. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, too, uh, just like it'll also be interesting how much what the marching orders for some of these projects, especially for something like this will be, are they with a lot of these, not, not every single one is geared towards a specific storyline or arc or run in a book, even though we clearly know some of them are being inspired by them. But the question is with something like swamp thing, just like with, just like with booster gold, are we going to, is, is it going to be like a particular, arc by Jurgens that people that is going to be the blueprint no matter who gets that movie that this is kind of what we want we want to we want to take we want to take on this this basic arc or this basic story you have leeway but this is kind of well, these are the base some of the, the key elements in the story that's what we want same thing with Swamp Thing is it going to be like well if it is an origin story you know do we have to go back to the to the rights and era and things like that or or is it going to be more alan moore and the saga of the swamp thing and everything like that or is it going to be more that will that's going to be because obviously there have been very distinctive runs on swamp thing so it's going to be interesting to see what their take is on the source material and if there are any fundamental uh we need this we need that which you would assume there has to be some of that if, there, if there's connective tissue but then again, they may as long as maybe they just need we need Swamp Thing and we need them to have these basic powers. But other than that, it go to it. So, yeah. And, and keeping in mind, folks, uh, when when Mark says tying into the story, 
when he was talking about Swamp Thing, Gunn specifically said it was he called it, quote unquote, outside of the DCU. But interestingly enough, not under this Elseworlds moniker they're using, but will also feed into the larger narrative. Right. So it's a very separate project, but also there's some stuff that'll seed future things for what we're, where we're going. Right. So that's why they'll probably have a lot of leeway. They'll probably have a lot of leeway for that reason alone. But it, but the take on it will be curious. And and just like we're trying to figure out when Man-Thing and the other characters, they like Werewolf by Night might be introduced other than easy to throw them in during Secret Wars. Beyond that, it's also interesting to see where they're going with Swamp Thing, where that he could play a role in the bigger narrative. All right. Um, so that's that's the list. But. Uh, there was a portion of the press conference, I guess, that was the, talking about some of this Henry Cavill stuff, um, which we should talk about. There is a thread over on um, Twitter uh, by a, a user Superman, uh, Superman on film. So just all one word at Superman on film. Um, and uh, he posted it to, today, February 1st. So uh, I'm not going to give a link to you guys or anything. Just go to that account and find this thread. Um, and he talks a bit about this this stuff that's gone on, uh, what, what Gunn said in this press conference about the Cavill stuff. And then he kind of elaborates on what that all means based on the known facts. So Gunn's quoted as saying he didn't fire Henry Cavill. He was never cast. He was in a cameo and that was the end of his story. I like Henry. He's gotten dicked around a lot by a lot of people including former regimes of this company but our superman isn't henry for a number of reasons unquote now the thread that the guy goes off on here and i'm not going to read the whole thing it's several tweets but i'm going to read the first few so we get a sense of what he's talking about here and again this is not quoting james gunn this is his own thoughts Let's start with the first part. He wasn't fired and he wasn't cast. That's just the truth. We were all manipulated by Dwayne Johnson as part of his ploy to promote his Black Adam DC Universe in October. No deal was signed. Gunn was already writing his young Superman movie. Johnson tried to take advantage of the power vacuum created by Hamada being transitioned out of DC and Zaslov looking for his DC creative architect. He went in there knowing there'd be a new boss soon and convinced the temporary bosses to run with Henry. Meanwhile, Gunn and Safran were dealing with Zaslov directly and pitching him their biggest story ever told that would unite all DC across all mediums. Johnson took to the press to stoke public support for his Black Adam slash Superman plans. It partially worked, and then Black Adam flopped. Weeks later, Gunn and Safran are hired, and DC Studios is born, while Black Adam continued on its way to losing money, even with all the, quote, guys, Henry's back as Superman, quote, unquote, noise they tried to generate. The mainstream public didn't care, and Gunn already had his Superman plan ready. And there's more tweets that go on from there. You guys can read the thread if you want. But I think that's kind of sets the tone of this, the, the narrative that he's that su- the Superman on film user is piecing together, which seems to cover a lot of the known facts. Uh, it didn't seem like regardless of whether what what the rock came out and said himself, there was some weird behavior on the rocks part after Black Adam came out and started failing and his sort of. Uh, association with DC moving forward and stuff like that um, that definitely painted the rock in a light that 
the people who worship the ground he walks on uh, might see a little bit differently. And yeah, uh, I want to talk. Uh, that actually is was the segue I want to get into anyway because um, when yeah. regarding that. Um, yeah, no, go ahead, take it from there. Because the reality is, generally speaking, we don't really know what the truth is. Yeah. Uh, and that that's 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 point number one. The the drug of the moment right now. The narrative, the, the accepted narrative of the moment seems to be that, oh, Dwayne Johnson had basically, it was a power play. He overreached. He, and, which of course, in all honesty, even if all that were true, it wouldn't have mattered if Black Adam made as much money as Hobson Shaw. <laughs> no, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered. But the point is that the narrative is that, oh, it was Dwayne Johnson's ego. And he was able to almost like have, have almost like this Rasputin like effect on the, who was running DC. And he was able to get the influence to have it in the movie made that he wanted and had Henry, have Henry Cavill back and all this stuff. And that basically it's, oh, it's more like either way. We don't know how much truth is in Dwayne Johnson's manipulation, quote unquote, behind the scenes. We don't know if it's true that Dwayne Johnson absolutely refused to do a cameo in Shazam or vice versa. We don't know if if the, if all that's true, or even if it is true, what the rationale behind it was, instead of, oh, it's just got to be me. That could be the case. We don't know. But what seems to be going on is this is a beautiful example of what goes up must come down. When there's blood in the water, the sharks come. And that there's all people, we love to build people up to tear them down. Right? The Rock has been pretty much very popular, untouchable. And right now he's not. Right now, there's a little bit of some of this, the the bloomers off the rose. And what, whether it's deserved or not deserved, that seems to be going on. You can absolutely take it to the bank that there's going to be at some point he's going to catch more hell from not agreeing to do the last one of the, at least one of the last two Fast and Furious movies unless he changes his mind to, to do the last one to do eleven. And I and I happen to think that he's wrong about that, regardless of what regardless of whatever the deal is he has with Vin Diesel. His character has been a key part of that story from from about five, six, seven and eight. He should be there at the end. There's ways to film that movie without him having to be next to Vin Diesel and do scenes because they filmed eight that way. He was never on in a scene with Vin Diesel on set in that movie because they weren't getting along. They could very easily do that again. And, and that is something where. It's hard not to say there's a little bit of ego where even if you hate this bastard and you think that's what he is, your fans would like to see you in it. So why not suck it up and do it and just there's ways to do it. But if that happened, that whole conflict with Vin Diesel was started to leak right now. Everybody would jump on Vin Diesel's side and and take his side when that's not the way it went when it broke down. More people probably took the rock side than Vin Diesel's side at the time. But that's just the way things are. And it's like if and you can watch, you know, if the, if the XFL doesn't work out in a few months, people are going to be jumping on it on saying, oh, you know, another failure for Dwayne Johnson after Black Adam. Of course, you and I both like Black, Black Adam. We know Jim Jim hated it. But I think most people who have watched it, I think most people have said it, they enjoyed it. Was it great? No. But yeah, the point- no, actually, I, re- I recently rewatched it because it came out on Blu-ray. So I bought it. I like it less. But not to a large degree. Yeah. It, it was relatively enjoyable. Yeah. And the pace, there were pacing issues. It could have been better. Yeah. But the point is, I think right now, everybody is blaming The Rock for a lot of things and, and getting on his back. And that's what happens 
when you're untouched as a because I'm sure f- fairly or unfairly, some people that may have legitimate reasons not to like Dwayne Johnson in Hollywood. And this is their moment to be able to with with impunity, be able to go after him. There's some people that are just jealous of the success that he's had. And this is their opportunity to try to knock him down. There's an there's an there's an element of that. And it's just it's it just it it's just a beautiful example that everybody that everybody who goes up, who rises will fall. And, and it's something and it's not necessarily fair, but you can count on it. So you look at the you look at the whole thing with Henry Cavill. Yeah, I feel bad personally for Henry Cavill because one way or the other, he kind of had his especially the biggest pro- when you think about this, the biggest issue was that he basically was given permission or told by WB that he could announce that he's back. Now, that was stupid on multiple levels, because even though technically James Gunn wasn't hired at the po- at that time. They were actively looking for new people to run the studio. They yeah. just hadn't decided yet who, or had come to an agreement with people yet. That was really dumb. When you, Unless you know, unless you basically all you have to do is have somebody sign the contract, but everything's agreed to and it's a foregone conclusion and you have your press conference ready. It's really dumb to do that. So I don't blame Dwayne Johnson for that because it was WB who said, yeah. Go ahead, do it. And whoever the hell was de facto making those decisions at the time, that's something that probably was over their pay grade. If they were not, if the, if if they were in a temporary position and had no chance of getting the permanent job, so I see that as another WB failure more than more than either Henry Cavill or even The Rock, because that was something they should just not have made any announcements about, regardless of him being in that him being a cameo. And the ultimate irony, of course, is. You know, there was a lot of talk about Henry Cavill being in the, in Shazam. And because you, you never see Superman in Shazam, hey, that kind of gives Shazam a free pass. And if it's true to say technically in the, in the in the new DCU, just like if it's true that uh, in Fury of the Gods, they either wanted a Black Adam cameo or they wanted to reference the events of Black Adam, which they probably won't now, even if they originally had it in there. Guess what? It all worked out for Shazam. Because by luck and hurt Black Adam's chances of continuing by luck of the draw, but no one would have necessarily known that at the time. It is what it is. I think I do think it's well, some say it's we'll say it's a semantical thing with with Gunn saying he wasn't hired. He's simply saying that he wasn't rehired, that his contract, his contract was up. There were there was there was not a new kind whether this assuming what he's saying is true, that there was no new contract signed, that basically somebody. Somebody gave somebody made a bad uh, an ill-advised decision of giving an OK to something that shouldn't have been OK for Henry Cavill to post like on Twitter that he was back as Superman. That that's that's um, that's unfortunate going hand in hand with some of the stuff that was in that press conference, that quiet press conference. I guess Saffron talked about the Batgirl movie because somebody had asked whether now that, hey, they were in charge and they weren't the ones who who shelved it. Is there a chance that movie was going to see the light of day? And Saffron pretty much said, no, that's not happening because it's because he said that movie was unreleasable. So he he is taking the company line, whether it's true or not. He's just saying that it has not that everybody worked hard on that movie and it's not blaming. But he act, he actually took the position that if this movie came out. Besides hurting D.C. That it, WBDC, it actually would hurt the people involved in the movie more than not releasing it. So whether that's true or not, maybe one day we'll know. But it is interest one way or the other. He is basically he basically said that, you know, he thinks Zaslav made the made a gutsy call on deciding to shelve that movie based on trying to protect the brand. And that was a that he certainly took he 
echoed the sentiment that that was taking the company line or or taking the company line, depending or they could both not they could both be true, not mutually exclusive, that that releasing that movie on HBO Max would have done more harm to DC and WB than by shelving it. So, yeah. I think it's also important because we did mention it, but I do want to touch briefly on this concept of DC Elseworlds. Yes. Um, because that's where we're going to get our Batman sequel, the, the Batman sequel, that Joker, Joker movie. Uh, he, he mentioned Titans as well. Teen um, Titans Go. Yeah, Teen Titans Go. Uh, I assume if Superman and Lois is continuing, that uh, that'll fall under that brand as well, potentially. Also interesting to note, because we haven't heard much about it, obviously, since it said it's apparently happening, Constantine 2. Yeah, they, that's that's another thing. I guess I did they address that in the press conference? They didn't talk about Constantine whatsoever. Yeah, so that's gonna that's gonna be another thing. We're we're gonna have to see a if it happens and b if it yeah it it some of these things would be easy to green light and this is where you got to be careful. Sometimes it gives you cushion, but also gives you you can get into trouble this way. That it'll be curious to see if that is something. That ever happens, and if it does, yeah, I'm sure they probably will just slap an Else Worlds label on it and and go with that. But I, I, that also, of course, would not surprise me if that if all the talk about that project just turns out to be just that now, and it's something that could have been under a different regime. I I really still hope it's the thing. I'm 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 a Keanu fan, but there's a there's a special weird little love I have for that movie. He better lose the goddamn beard. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, I, it wouldn't bother me as much if the beard looked good. Yeah. He's just one of these people that can grow a good beard. It's just, it's just genetic. Some people can, some people can't. And it's like, it's just that sparse, broken. It's just, and, I, and I'm so sick of the long, we talked about this. I'm so sick of the long haired Keanu too. I thought that was, I'm, yeah. I thought that was inappropriate. Even in, I know why it worked for part of the last matrix movie, but to me, it's like, that's, that's not playing the character. I, I, I agree with you, but have you seen Keanu without a Did you watch Bill and Ted 3? Yeah. Okay. We, yeah, talked, we, we talked about oh, it. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot. Uh, yes. Uh, he he looks weird without it. He does. He looks much older. Oh, without old. oh, that the beard, you mean? Yeah. That's oh, I think there's truth in that, but I think it's a combination of two things. We have seen him almost exclusively with the beard for several years. Yeah. and And it's a combination that we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him clean cut, short hair, no facial hair in a while. We haven't seen him like devil's advocate look in a long time. Cons- certainly consistency. We've, you know, the only the only time I I actually only the only time I remember him with short hair recently is obviously when he had to buzz his head to do that part of the Matrix uh, yeah. resurrections. But I just think I think I know what you're saying. We're, I think we're we're just used to it. I just don't bother me because I don't think I don't think it's a good look for him. I don't think. I don't think it's flattering do, to him at all. Do Do you think he put on weight for Bill and Ted Three? Because he's he did seem like a suburban dad. Like he he didn't he wasn't like fat, but he did have like a little bit of a double chin. Mm, you know what? It's possible. I can't. It's been a while since I saw that. I can't ignore. I can't say honestly that I remembered or made a judgment one way or the other. It's, it certainly yeah. didn't strike me as like, wow, he's fat. You know, like he just looks all, so much older yeah. than he that had ever seen him before. I think he I just think in a lot. See, and I think that's part that's part of it. I think may, in a way, may, maybe that's why he goes with the longer hair and the beard, because in a way, 
the striking difference in his face is more noticeable when you actually see his full face. Maybe I'm not yeah. saying that's why he does it on purpose, but I'm, but it's like, but you can see those change. But yes, and you can see the changes in his face. And Bellin's head is like he actually looks older. Just like now, you can start finally. You're starting to see it a little bit in Paul Rudd. Yeah, that despite all the jokes about oh, like he and Counter Reeve, they never aged their vampires. Yeah, you can actually start seeing the different struct that their facial structures are changing a little bit enough where it's like, yeah, they do not look like they're 30 anymore. So, yeah, no, I think it's it's the it's the same thing. I it's a, it's a weird comparison to make, but it's the same thing I think about when I look at modern Tim Allen. Yeah, you're right. Tim Allen Tim Allen is he is, is doing is you can see that in Tim Allen too. Yeah, that's yeah, true for sure. All right. Uh, anything else about this? We're talking elsewhere. I'm wondering if like it's it's like still going to be considered. I mean, obviously, if they they have the moniker, it's still going to be a DC Studios project. But every scene, every time like the credits or whatever start rolling on the screen, are we going to see DC Studios? Bam, Elseworlds, and like it's going to have like a the same sort of title treatment opening, uh, you know, Studios animation type thing, but. It's going to be distinguished at the at the very front of the film. What's DC Studios and what's DC Studios Elseworlds? Probably because it's would, not going it, to. It can't be in the title of everything, right? No, 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 no. I I don't. I do not think. I do not think it's going to be Elseworlds. Yeah, too. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got distracted reading something. I don't think it's going to be directly in the title. I just think yes, that it will be. It'll be distinctive. There may be a way when they when they describe the movie. Or do a synopsis for the movie. Maybe they'll put in parentheses that it's Elseworld there. Uh, and I'm sure that yes, there will be there will be some change to the logo or just adding in a little Elseworlds, you know, either just with text or with a logo to go with the regular DCU logo, whatever they come up with. That I think that's what they'll distinguish between every project, animated or live action, that's that's Elseworlds going forward. Okay, either. cool. Yeah, no, I'm there. Uh, that's that's cool. I, look, man. Oh, I'm a little. I think I think to sum up my thoughts, I'm I'm a little lost on some of these choices as to the why behind them. But my passion slash curiosity slash hope for the tone that these the projects I do like uh, or am curious about. What that gives me is enough to stomach choices like the authority or creature commandos or waller i would agree with that assessment i think that there's nothing that came out in this from the first part of these announcements that i hated there's nothing that i go oh my god what the hell were they thinking this is this is this is ridiculous or there's some things that i have no draw to at all and i wish it was something better yeah Yeah. i mean of course but there's i mean but there's a plan. So until we know how these pieces connect to a puzzle, it's it's a little easy. And they're starting from the ground up. So it's a little easier to cut them some slack, I think, which, which is weird because on some level you would think, oh, it's easier to cut Marvel some slack because they've had success. But that's part of the reason. It's like they had they have they have to live up to something. And yeah. I mean, phase four didn't live up to Jack. Uh, so and even I'm not I'm not too sure if I, I have my reservations about Phase Five too. Let's see what Ant Man is like. That's that's the saving hope. I the you know if Ant Man is not really really good, I think that's going to really be a bad sign. On point, I think there are some things that we really can be excited about. I mean, a Superman, any Superman Batman project could be interesting. 
or could be good. I mean, the Pattinson thing was okay for what it was. The movie was good. Like I said, I have reservations about him as Bruce Wayne. I don't see that. I don't know if that's ever going to work. Maybe it will. But we look at obviously the Lanterns thing, TV show, probably a good way to reintroduce the the Green Lanterns into a DC cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. You're going to, assuming you have like a 10 episode season, even if they're only 40 something minute episodes on average, you still have much more time to delve into the mythos and what they right. do. Which, what they, which- which I want to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but That's I saw okay. this happening on Twitter. Some Green Lantern fans out there are pissed that it's not a movie. And I disagree for what Mark just said. If we got a movie, we don't have enough time. Put it this way. A TV show gives us more time and therefore gives me more hope that they can more completely tell and showcase what this universe can be about. And I can be confident in its representation than the timeline a movie would give us. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think where we are, I think this this is this is the way to go because the bet. And again, because it's on HBO Max and it follows a much more successful formula than stupid Netflix. One day Netflix will figure this out. They may go bankrupt before they do, but eventually oh. they'll figure it out how the, the binge watching release schedule for, of new shows is stupid and it hurts you more than it helps you. Well, they're hurting themselves now. Do you hear about the new login thing? Yeah. 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 Well, we can, well, we can talk about that next time, but I, yes, I actually read about how, how, how that's going to really piss people off if they're trial. Yeah. That's going to be, a, we'll, t- we'll get into that. Yeah. But, but the whole thing about, how it cuts down on, on the interest in your projects and your, in sh- your shows, because you know, people watch it and they're done with it in a week, week and a half. Yeah. Nobody cares after two, two weeks, maybe three weeks max if it's super popular. Plus you're releasing three other shows in the next three weeks. So it's people will, it gets drowned out. HBO max follows the smart, the smart model of episodic release, weekly release. So if that show is good, it can gain traction. Like Peacemaker did. Peace, no, Peacemaker would have been a mostly a disaster, even if some people liked it, if they released it all at one time. It's because it was released week after week, and people started watching it, and word of mouth started spreading, and then more people started watching it. That's how shows build popularity. If a show gets all their episodes dropped at once, it's it's like a one, like Squid Game. It's like that one in a billion thing where it works, but almost everybody has to be buzzing about a. a a full release show at the same time for to get other people into it before it get it gets drowned out. And even then it only lasts like a month, but word of mouth builds when you have weekly television. It's like, even though to me, house of the dragon isn't game of Thrones by any stretch of the imagination, people that the interest in that show rose week after week, because once people realize, Hey, this is pretty good, or this is good enough to continue as opposed to, wow, it's like the last two episodes of, of, season eight of game of thrones that's the yeah. benefit so you can build an you can build an audience and plus it's a tv show there even if it's not super super popular right away or it ends up getting a following after the fact it can still lead you to get you from point a to point b and you've reestablished these characters and it's not a, and it's not this fucking ryan reynolds joke anymore and god he better shut the hell up about that show he better, I mean, if he says anything at all, he better just wish the new person playing Hal Jordan well. And that bet, and that better be it. And like, uh, and if he wants to be self-deprecating then and say, Hey, do a better job than I did, or I hope you do a better job than I did. Okay. But now's the time to shut the hell up about that. But, you know, when we get closer to when they do some casting, but I think the show is the absolute right way to go. 
Yep, for sure. hundred uh, percent. I'm down for it. Can't wait to see it. And we'll, I guess we'll see where things go from, from there. Casting is going to be fun for sure. I will say when you're talking about the release schedule for Netflix, uh, it's not all the way what you're talking about in terms of where they should go, but it's a, it was a step closer. What they did with Sandman was smart. I thought they released like if and I forget how many total episodes there are already, but yeah, like, cause they had the hidden, the hidden episode. Or, or yeah. The, the, yeah. the two hidden ones that released like two or three, like a, a week or two later, that was cool. Everybody had binged it. There was a lot of talk about Sandman. They let it cool down just a little bit and then went right as things were starting to cool down. They went, Hey, here's two more <laughs> surprise. <laughs> that was, that was cool. Yeah. Which is, which is even more. Which is even more proof that that I mean, every like we talked about, everybody's going to say, yeah, release it all at once. Why you? Why wouldn't you say that? It doesn't mean it's good business, a good business practice, but everybody will say it because it gives you control. We all personally would like that. What I like all, what I like all the episodes of, like the Mandalorian dropped all at once. Sure, because I can watch them at my own pace. But when things like that, ha- I mean, think about you think about shows that and HBO knows this very well. The Sopranos, Game of Thrones, shows like that, they never would have been as popular as they ended up becoming if you didn't build a following, if they were just streaming shows. Because you drop all these shows, and they're eight, six episodes, they're 10 episodes, 12 up, whatever, or you sp- or the two halves of the seasons. It, 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 you talk about it for like a month if you're lucky. And that's if you don't drown out your own programming, because Netflix does that too. That's why it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense for that business model. So it, it, it just, it just boggles the mind, but they think the solution is to create more original programming when the reality is they have way too much of it and they don't space out what they have. The movies aren't so bad. You can get away with releasing elite, like two big made for Netflix. And that obviously they do more than this sometimes and they kill themselves, but you can release two big made for Netflix movies a month, one in the beginning of the month, one at the end. And movies are something different because the people are really interested in the movie. They'll probably watch it in the first two or three weeks. And since you're not drowning it out with another made for Netflix movie until, you know, three weeks later, you're giving people an opportunity to discover it. TV shows, it's like, oh, you add something into your queue. Then all of a sudden, hey, guess what? There's there's a new season of this. There's a new season of that. And then the fact that because these shows also, if they don't automatically become successes, which is really hard when you dump all your episodes at once and you can build a following. And there's another show that was out right a week before. And another show that's out the week after, then they cancel the damn thing like 1899 immediately, which meant a lot of people who were planning on still watching that show. I had an interest in it, but didn't get a chance to start it. Probably will never watch it now because what's the point? Cause that, cause he got canceled. It was like the society. I like that show this on Netflix. That was cool. And I actually didn't, re- I didn't know about this, but supposedly the society had actually been renewed for season two. And I think COVID is what killed it. They were literally about to go into production on season two and then it got delayed and can- then ended up getting canceled because of COVID. But that was a really cool premise to that show. And, and we never, and plus they, the gap between seasons on Netflix especially can be, can kill you. Like they, I forget, I don't remember what the, sh- the show was. With the airplane in the air and they tried staying, staying ahead of the sunrise. It was a foreign show. It was dubbed because, they, because if the sun caught up to you, it like it just changed, like it was killing all the people and it changed like the physical component of stuff. Like even their airplane fuel would change and all this. No weird idea. Shit. But yeah, I don't, I, I watched the first season of it. And by the time they released the second season, it had been so long that I started watching the first episode. And it's like, I don't care anymore. So it's, they don't, they're not maximizing what. But they they're not taking advantage of what they should could be, and I think eventually it's going to bite them. But they they 
But H- but luckily, you know, being on HBO Max, being on a weekly release schedule, that will definitely help a show like Green Lantern. If, and if the critics like it, that'll help it buzz and word of mouth, too. And that's when HBO Max will start getting my money again. I know. I, I may have to pull the plug on it, too. And then and then it's such, it's such, and the raise prices and everything. It's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. But every but everything is, you know, everything is raising prices, too. So it's but yes, I agree. At some point, some plugs have to be pulled. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anything else about DC Studios, the potential, DC Elseworlds, any of that stuff that we want to do? I don't think so at the moment, but if there there is anything else, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week when we, and Lance, next week is your week. That's take it to the bank. We, unless unless there's some huge announcement, Green Lantern wise, about something (laughs) that makes us split the episode. Next episode will be feedback first and foremost, and it, it'll be subtitled the Lance episode because we know you have at least three, I think four voicemails and you have your questions you asked us and all this stuff. So it will be, there's other feedback besides Lance, but that's going to be our catch up on, uh, feedback because we were hoping to do it today, but obviously we had a lot of stuff to talk about. So we knew there was a slim chance this was not going to happen today. And well, we hit that slim chance. I mean, hey. Uh, I think you'll forgive us. It's it, DC Studios. This is this is big, big news. Uh, so definitely topical. Yes, it is. So lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast. The track is down there. Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all formats and platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to text us or leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.